Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. Um, I'm your host, Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach. And I work with clients all around the country. So if that's something you're interested in doing, please feel free to contact me at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Today, I'm really excited because we are launching a new series called The Parenting Pulse. And my co-hosts on this particular segment will be Mackenzie Douglas and Dr. Sarah Bald. And I will have them both introduce themselves and talk a little bit about their backgrounds as we get to that, but I just wanted to give a little bit more information about what we'll be doing first. So we're going to be meeting the first Wednesday of every month to discuss different topics about parenting. So any questions that you might have regarding parenting, feel free to ask those questions, whether they be clinical or not. I, I'm sure that somebody in our um, team will be able to handle those questions. So welcome, ladies. I'm so excited about this. So let's start with you, Sarah. Um, so, Dr. Bald, tell us a little bit about your background and tell us a little bit about your life because this is this is about getting to know you as well. Absolutely. So, my background: I am a I am an Arizona licensed psychologist. I specialize in pediatric neuropsychology. Um, I have my own practice right now, but I've trained under Dr. Paul Belgian before then, and I've done a series of different rotations in grad school in the school districts in private practice doing evaluations, and then in private practice doing therapy as well. So I have my own practice currently. And then my personal life, I am currently, how many months pregnant am I? Five months pregnant at this point. So now I've worked with kids for so many years. So now I'm starting to launch my own family and raise my own kids. So I get to dive right into what I've been helping families through for the last several years. That's awesome. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your business? I don't think you gave the name of your business. Yeah. So my company is Nest Psychological. Um, we specialize, like I said, in pediatric neuropsychology. I do evaluations. I do therapy. And then I also do school advocacy. Um, we also have a speech pathologist who works with us. And then an adult neuropsychologist who does as well for our parents. Because oftentimes we start to see things in ourselves once we have kids. So I have a team of individuals at Nest Psychological who are here to provide support to families across the lifespan. That's that's really awesome. I'm I'm really glad that you do what you do because you're you're just such a nice person. So I can only imagine what great service you provide for your clients. Um, I so welcome that. to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm really excited to work with you because I think you're going to give people some really um, awesome advice, and it's going to come going to come from the heart as well as a professional perspective. So I, I think that's what I'm looking for here. And I, I love that. Um, so I also want to introduce Mackenzie Douglas, who I've known for quite some time now. And she and I actually have been colleagues for quite some time. So Mackenzie, please tell us about you. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Mackenzie Douglas, and I live here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I am a new mom. I have a 14-month-old. And he's the light of my life and my husband, Ryan, um, and I have just really been enjoying this new chapter in our life together. He and I have been together for 12 years and, you know, recently had a baby. And so we had a long time where it was just he and I, and now we have Maddox, our son in our, our lives. And it's, it's been an amazing journey so far an adventure together. Um, I was at the height of my career. Um, I worked with the private local private school Fusion Academy in Scottsdale, and that's actually how I've met Fazia and Sarah, or Dr. Bald, excuse me. And um, I worked as a director of admissions and outreach, and I was just creating awareness in the community of Fusion and helping students um, have a more personalized education. And then I was also working with prospective families in getting enrolled with our school. And I, I loved my job. It was a company that I just respected and appreciated the experience that I had. And it was a very tough decision to part ways um, at that time. We were the top 
Scottsdale um, was the top school within the organization. It's a nationwide or- organization. They just happen, ha- happen to have a campus here. And we were the, the number one school for um, the number of hours and students that we have on campus. And I chose to leave that um, to be full-time with Maddox, which, as I mentioned, was a really tough decision, but it's been um, the greatest decision of my life. Um, and that kind of led to the creation of this and just having this conversation and being parents at different stages. And um, it's been a really exciting journey. Thank you so much. And, and for our listeners to know, I mean, I absolutely uh, love working with Mackenzie uh, so much so that I, I really felt like we wanted that I wanted to continue that relationship both personally and professionally. So I thought this would be a great fit for doing that. So thank you for, for being on this wonderful series that we're going to be doing. Um, some of the topics that we'll be talking about are just current issues in parenting. So if there's something in particular that you all would want to talk about that you would want uh, maybe Dr. Bald to address or Mackenzie to address, feel free to drop us uh, an email at fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com and we will try to answer your questions on the next show. Keep in mind that this is a monthly series, so we'll be meeting the first Wednesday of every month. So if you want us to answer your questions, please get them to us as soon as possible. Uh, We're also going to tackle some issues like back to school, educational uh, topics, autism, ADHD, maybe even co-parenting. So uh, like I said, if any topics, um, if there's any topic out there that you want to talk about, please let us know. Today, however, we're going to talk about stress and anxiety, and especially how that's impacted our lives with COVID. I, I think as parents, we already have this, this built-in anxiety, built-in stress. You know, we want to make sure we're doing the best thing for our kids, the best thing for our families. And then COVID happened, and I think it really threw things for a loop. How, how, do, how are you dealing with that specifically, Mackenzie? Let's start with you. Uh, So prior to having a child, um, you know, I had work stressors and, you know, just kind of maintaining that work and life balance and making sure that I was doing my job properly and and all those normal stressors that you come have that come with um, your job. Um, I didn't really have anxiety, didn't really struggle with that. But I will say that now that I'm a parent, when I'm away from Maddox, I absolutely have anxiety and it's hard. Like I didn't really ever think that I would be that way, but you know, it's, it's hard to trust your, the light of your life, you know, the most prized possession of your in your life with somebody else, or, you know, what if something happens and you're not there or, you know, you miss a milestone that happens and you're not there. And there's a lot of thoughts that go through my head when I'm apart from him, especially now that I'm with him essentially 24 hours a day. When I am apart from him, I, I have a lot more worry in my life. And I really didn't think that was going to be how I was, but it is how it is. And I just tried to replace those thoughts and make sure that I'm not feeding into the fear um, because he's going to be around forever. And I, I, I don't want to live in that space. So it's a, it's a growth that I'm really working on. Um, I had Maddox during COVID, like the height of COVID. So May, 2020, um, you know, going into pre COVID, I, I imagined my parents were going to be there at the hospital. You know, my in-laws were going to be there. Everybody was going to be able to hold him and, you know, be a part of that, you know, his first few days. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It was just my husband and I. Um, Maddox ended up going into the NICU. So I was only able to see him. You know, we were only able to go one at a time. Um, We weren't able to see him together at the same time. There was a limited number of parents who could be in the NICU at a time. So it was really stressful and anxiety ridden those first eight days that he was in there because it was something that we had never, we didn't plan for. And then with COVID, you know, we didn't have, I couldn't see my family. They couldn't come to the hospital. I could only see my son every so often. Um, you know, so him coming home was just a big 
day of celebration for my family and I. Um, but since then, I mean, like we, you know, COVID of course has played a part in us not being a part of mommy groups or going out and, and being in the community as much as I would have liked in his first few months, but it really gave an opportunity for my husband and I to really bond um, with Maddox and as a family of three. Uh, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise, really like leaning back, you know, looking back at that time, because if it wasn't COVID, we would have had family in and out of the house, visiting, staying for an extended period of time. And my husband and I really wouldn't have had to lean on each other as much as we did. And I think that, you know, looking back at those first few weeks that it was just us three, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, so that was definitely the silver lining with COVID and having a COVID pandemic baby. <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah. It, it sounds like you definitely saw the silver lining in that situation. You know, it, it's funny when you were talking earlier about how you now have a little bit more anxiety about not missing milestones and things like that. I was the same. I never had anxiety until my daughter, Emily was born. And I specifically remember for her first birthday, we were, uh, my entire family flew down to Florida and I think I told you the story <laughs> and we were staying at this hotel and I'm getting ready and my daughter, my mom's holding her hands and she takes her first steps between my mom and my dad. And I thought, oh, and they're both yelling at me, calling me and I'm just blow drying my hair, not even thinking about anything else. <laughs> so I totally missed her first step. <laughs> oh, I so, know. It's like- know, Yeah, those are the types of things you, you're, you're trying so hard not to miss. But the reality yeah. is you're not going to see everything, you know, and, and you're right. It's a, you're in there for the long term. Some, yeah. some of the short-term things you're going to miss. Yeah. But um, yeah. So um, yeah. And, and feel free to join in anytime, Sarah. Sarah, what, what are your thoughts on um, anxiety and how things, how parents have been handling things during COVID? I mean, my first thought just for my conversation is this is going to bode very poorly for me since I run a little anxious anyway. So if you guys didn't have anxiety and developed it, what does this mean for me in four months? <laughs> yes, things might change a little for you, but you know, hey, we've got a lot, good group to lean on. We're here for you. I do. Yeah, I agree. Community of these women are fantastic. They're my new best friends in my opinion, but that's just me. <laughs> Um, As far as the professional side, I've seen a number of things. I mean, mental health didn't stop because of the pandemic. It it only increased. So, you know, we've been navigating a situation. The worst thing you can deal with is ambivalence in the world. So not knowing what the outcome is going to be. So we've been in 15, 16 months of utter ambivalence. So I'm seeing parents struggling. I'm seeing kids struggling. And now we're going back to school in some of our districts are going back in like a week or two from now. So kids are going back to school and now we've got this new stress of, wait, now we're going back in person. And some of these families haven't been in person. A lot of these families did. They made the decision for themselves to go back to school, but now they're going back. And some of these families haven't been around others in a long time. And that's scary. And there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress surrounding that. And it's different from every, you know, from one state to another. I have clients in Minnesota who are going back and they're not even sure if the school is going to require masks. Mm -hmm. Right. Or if they're going to require masks with vaccinations or without vaccinations. I honestly don't even know what the whole policies are going to be. Every school is going to be different and they haven't even decided. Right. So the kids, you know, that right there, I think, causes anxiety because you don't know what you're walking into. And, yeah. and I mean, anxiety for the kid as well as for the parents, mm-hmm. because as, as parents, they could have made different decisions had they known what they were walking into. Right. And it's going to change. And I have a feeling this school, coming school year, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict this, but I have a feeling this coming school year is going to be as up in the air as this last school year was. Yeah. There's no, I mean, there's no telling. There really isn't. Um, so I, I know that stress you know, you said mental health hasn't, you know, has increased over the last uh, year with the pandemic, but um, do, you, do you really think that it will ever go back down for these kids? Because now they're dealing with, you know, gaps in their learning, they're dealing with so many issues. Um, you know, what's, what's that going to look like moving forward? It's hard to say. I mean, the, the good thing is kids are, kids are resilient. 
Um, we talk about how their brains are plastic and plastic makes it sound like it's very solid, like it doesn't move, but plastic actually means it moves and it changes and it morphs. So kids rebound and they bounce back. So I'm hopeful that there's not going to be long-term effects for these kids. Yes, school is going to be difficult the next three years, but the good thing is everybody's been going through it. So everyone's going to be after playing catch up. Everyone's going to have to review. I'm hoping that creates some consistency in our education system of we got to get these kids caught up. Yeah. What kind of, I'm just thinking about all the ambivalence and all the stress that these kids are going through. Um, What kind of support can we offer these kids, whether it be uh, in school or outside of school? What do you recommend? I recommend maintaining consistency as much as possible. And this has been my recommendation since the beginning of the pandemic. So for parents, if you're working, you know, remotely, getting up, going for a drive around the block and then coming home. So you still have that morning commute. Um, Setting boundaries with yourself. If I I log on at this time, I log off at this time. Um, For kids, having them maintain a schedule. So even if a family is choosing to do online school or even if online school is the only option coming up, still having a set schedule. We still wake up when school starts. We still, you know, get online at the same time every day. We still do our homework at the same time every day. And incorporating as much normalcy in the routine as possible. So we have a PE hour where we all go out and we run around in the backyard or we go swimming because it's too hot to be running around in the backyard right now, at least in Arizona. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, having as much interaction as possible as well. So FaceTiming, Zooming with friends, doing it on an individual level. So instead of, you know, my classmates are my friends, but there's 26 of them and that's the only time I see them. Can we have individual play dates over Zoom? Or can we have, you know, if kids are gamers, can we all log on to the same channel and be able to chat and play video games at the same time? Increasing social interaction is going to be key. And the, the big one yeah. that I'm finding right now is facing fears. So if there's something we're really afraid of, because we live in a time of fear, Fears get bigger and bigger when we try to ignore them. When we face them, we teach ourselves, okay, I got this. That fear doesn't have as much control over me as I think it did. But we give fear control when we ignore it, when we try to avoid it, when we try to do everything to go against it. (laughs) So facing fears is really key and really important for families right now. Now, I'm not saying do something risky. I'm not saying go out there and like, dance around the streets or go to crowds or I was watching, of course, Suns made it to the finals and blew it because Arizona sports, but like, I'm not saying go to those like Bucks fans (laughs) crowd level and just like party and like hug other people. (laughs) But at the same time, if there is little fears that are healthy and comfortable to face, especially for kids, how can we face those? And how can we show you that you're in power over your fears, that your fears don't have power over you right now? And I I think that's really important is making kids feel like they have some control. They have some power over their lives. Uh, The pandemic has been something that we've really never had in our lives in our lifetime. I mean, we've never had anything like this. So for a lot of these kids, they're looking for guidance. They're looking for some direction and not, not every parent is fearless. Not every parent is going to have that support to offer their kids. So uh, I'm thinking that schools might have to take a little bit of that and, and make sure that kids feel safe and that they feel in control. Um, so I, I really do uh, appreciate that. Um, and, and I know that schools are doing the best that they can, but they have to deal with a lot of policies and changes as well. So what do you they mean? don't really you- even know what's going on either. I mean, the schools no. are taking it day by day as well. Yeah, and Mackenzie might know a little bit about that also, <laughs> since yeah. she used to work at a school. What do you think, Mackenzie? Did yeah. your school know what was going on? I mean, we, for the first few months, no, absolutely not. I mean, I remember when the pandemic hit, we're like, okay, we'll be back in a few weeks. And then it was April. And then, you know, I went on maternity leave for the summer and we were still not back. And then And Infusion Scottsdale ended up going back August 2020, and we were one of the first schools to go back in person. Um, And 
Fusion Scottsdale was already, you know, doing super well with the number of students on campus and um, retaining those students for the fall, um, uh, fall school year. And when I got back, we just skyrocketed from there because we were the only school that was open and committed to staying open. We had the great thing about Scottsdale campus was that um, we were new, so we weren't at capacity. Fusion Academy, just kind of for those listeners who have no idea who Fusion is, um, is a one-on-one private middle and high school nationwide, 60 campuses across the nation, um, one here in Scottsdale. And we were at, I think, like 30 or 40 kids on campus um, prior to the pandemic. And so those students had the option to come back in August or stay remote and half came back, half didn't. And we had a capacity of 100. So we had a lot of growth. And we could get really strategic on on staggering the students' schedules. So um, we adapted super quick because the number of calls that I got from parents who said, I can't have my kids stay home. Um, They're failing. You know, they've never failed in their life. They're, you know, going downhill very quickly. Mental... um, you know, wellness is not doing well. They are having all these fears and anxieties and stressors that they never experienced before. Um, you know, no hope in their future. A lot of, you know, parents calling because they knew that we were open. So we committed to that. And I mean, that's, I think what led us to be the top school because we're in a community where a lot of parents needed their kids to be on campus, getting that socialization, getting that education in person, because it doesn't work for everybody to be online. And it created a lot of tension within the family dynamics of parents now trying to be teachers and then, you know, trying to help them learn. And I mean, I can't even imagine teaching above, you know, middle school or high school with math and science, I'd have to learn with them and how that can be so stress, you know, stressful on both parties, the child and the parent. Um, And kudos to the parents who are able to do it. I mean, more power to them. It's such an incredible accomplishment that they have been able to do that. But, um, you know, I know Fusion is in, you know, in going to be in person for this next school year as well. And that I don't think will ever change unless, of course, something bigger happens. Um, But I think, I remember, you know, a lot of parents just saying that their kid was missing their friends and, you know, never used to be suicidal. And now I'm having all these thoughts of, you know, suicide or depression, anxiety that never existed before. And now that they had that ambivalence, like Dr. Bald was saying, um, was very scary for parents and like pulled sure. at my heartstrings. I mean, gosh, I can't even imagine what that would have been like for parents. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, well, I, I genuinely appreciate this conversation that we're having. I think it's it's been really helpful. Um, maybe when we come back from break, we can talk a little bit about what suggestions you have for parents to deal with this anxiety, as well as the stress that goes along with um, choosing a school, maybe um, dealing with COVID. So uh, this is our very first um parenting pulse uh, session. So we're just kind of, we're just kind of winging it today. But like I said, we'll be much more um, structured moving forward. If you have any questions, feel free to send those to us via email at Fazia at executive, I'm sorry, Fazia at executive function coach az.com. You can also go on to my website, executive function coach az.com. And um, you can send us an email through that as well. We'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at Executive Function Coach AZ.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. All right, welcome back. Um, so, we are meeting with Dr. Sarah Bald and Mackenzie Douglas. We have started a new series called The Parenting Pulse. We'll be meeting every Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So welcome back, ladies. Um, I would love to chat a little bit about um, some tips and ideas that we have to help parents as well as kids handle the stress and the anxiety that goes um, with what we've been dealing with for this past, I don't know, 18 months, uh, this this COVID situation. Uh, So let's go ahead and start with you, Mackenzie. What are some of the, and for you, I'd like to, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the younger kids as well, because you do have Maddox. How have you been dealing with the stress and anxiety of COVID with Maddox? Does it oh. stop you from taking in places? It did, at first, yes, it did. Um, I didn't take him to like a social thing that was outside of my family until like just this year, 2021. Um, it was just, you know, we didn't feel comfortable. We weren't really sure, you know, I hadn't really met any other person that had a, a kiddo uh, Maddox's age that, you know, I felt safe with. Um, so for the first, you know, seven months, eight months of his life, you know, he wasn't interacting with any other kids, his age, which made me really sad. I mean, I didn't really anticipate that for his first life, you know, first part of his, you know, first year. Um, certainly not what I envisioned prior to the pandemic happening. Um, and so just that I, I remember like having not anxiety, but just like feeling like, cause I was isolated too. Like my husband was leaving the house. He was working, you know, he would do a lot of the grocery runs. You know, I, I was, I wasn't able to leave Maddox for a long period of time because I was nursing him and. And so I felt like I was tethered to my home and I'm such a people person. I love being outside. I love interacting and, you know, being out outdoors as much as possible. So I just remember like very vividly multiple times, just like telling my husband, like, I have to get out of the house. Like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown if I do not leave and I do not have space for myself. Um, And it was really it was really different than I had ever experienced. And so um, he caught on very quickly that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go. How did you deal with that? How did you deal with being home and not having your friends or colleagues around? It was tough. Um, You know, I, I, he, like I started going out of the house, like even if it was just quick, you know, quick trips to the store, I started doing those. Um, and I just got out as much as possible. And I, and you know, when it was the height of COVID, you know, you'd have to stand in line and, you know, do all that stuff. And, um, just that, that breath of fresh air, so to speak, just getting out of the house and seeing other people just like renewed me. And that helped. Um, 
And then just taking walks as much as possible. After summer was done, I could take him out, um, you know, take the dog out. And I think I walked my neighborhood multiple times a day, (laughs) every single day, just to get out and, you know, get my body moving and see the light of day, so to speak. Um, So my first year was completely different than I hope Dr. Bald's is because, um, I felt so isolated and so sheltered. And for me, just the type of person I I am, that's, that's like not, not okay with me. So I hope for the best for you. Thank you. I think we had a whole generation of people who waited to have kids because I know we had plans to start earlier. We had plans to start like right as COVID was starting. (laughs) And then with all the other uncertainty in the world, it's like, oh, okay, okay, we'll wait. Okay, we'll wait. Okay, we'll wait. And then I was eventually like, uh, we're not waiting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you do with it, I mean, it breaks my heart. And you see all those cute videos of the kids where they're like the COVID babies who are seeing people for the first time or it's their first time in the store and they're so like shock and awe. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I appreciate that. But it, it breaks my heart for, for moms and kids too, who went through that and didn't get the socialization that that new moms need I mean new moms need tons of socialization lots of support lots of help and when that's taken away from you it how do you survive and I you impress me every day that you've made it this far and still are who you are and who I remember you being pre-pregnancy and still your bright and cheery self every day I mean it's awesome thank you it's not easy but it's (laughs) people like you guys that you know make it make it easier so but you're doing it and that's what matters so Sarah how are you dealing with COVID like you you decided to get pregnant in the middle of COVID did that keep you from going places did that keep you from socializing with my job it's it's kind of hard because I socialize with people all day every day anyways so I'm lucky I get a fix I mean I get my fix is it the personal relationships that like we have right here no um, it is more, you know, professional and client, and you have to maintain boundaries. Um, but I at least got to flex my cognitive muscles every day, and and to be in a room and be present, or be over doxy and be present with other people. So that has helped a ton. But it definitely drove my decision for like where to get an OB and who, you know, what providers I choose because I wanted my husband to be there because many providers weren't allowing spouses to come to appointments. And that was a big thing for me is I need my support system. I need people around me. Um, so I, I need to choose an OB who's going to allow my spouse to be there with me. Absolutely. I, I can't even imagine going through all that by yourself. I can't either. I have some friends yeah, who have done it and they are, they're super women in my eyes. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, it's almost like being a single mom. Mm-hmm. Even though you have the support right there. Yeah. yeah, but worse because you, you can't bring anybody in. It's not just your spouse. You can't bring anybody in. That's just, yeah. that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So what, what tips would you give to parents who have recently become pregnant, who really are kind of unsure of themselves? Do you have any strategies, any tips you can offer them? This is something I'm navigating in this moment too. I, you know, my my specialty was always three to three to eighteen. So now I'm in this new world of <laughs> phone. <laughs> but I mean, what Mackenzie talked about is is my go-to recommendation for all parents. I mean, I use the metaphor, and I'm sure my family who have seen me multiple times get tired of it. Of you got to put on your oxygen mask before you assist others. You got to be taking care of yourself. You have to carve out time for you, whether it be five minutes, ten minutes, whether you're eating, you know cookies in the closet so nothing happens I mean funny story Fazia was super sweet and sent me cookies one day and my husband didn't recognize the name and so he's like oh I thought I knew that name so he told the lady no no one lives here by that name and so sent my cookies back and I literally cried at work over cookies I was like Aww. is this pregnancy hormone but you did get you did get the cookies finally. They, they were delicious um <laughs> So That's even if hilarious. it's something like, right? <laughs> so even if it's something like sitting in the in the closet eating your cookies or hoarding all the cookies to yourself, whatever it might be. Obviously, that I was me today. 
<laughs> you want to hear a funny story? When my daughter was three, when my kids were little, I never put them in timeout. I always put myself in timeout. I said, you know, I, I'm having a rough time. I'm going to go take a little time out. When I come back, we'll have a rational discussion about this. And so there was one day when I was just beyond exhausted. I was worn out. I We were living in Prescott at the time. And and I, I, I remember I, this is when I was married and my husband comes home and I said, you know, I need a timeout. I'm going to go take a bath. And so I went and draw the bath and I'm shutting the door and right as I'm doing it, my daughter, who was three, a little over three, maybe three and a half at the time, she goes, what's wrong, mommy? I said, nothing's wrong. I just need a timeout. So I'm going to go take a bath. And when I come out, we'll go ahead and do whatever you want to do. And she said, it's okay. I'm here for you. <laughs> you, know how you always hear things that you say to your so kids sweet. that come right back. And so she literally sat outside the door the entire time that I'm taking the bath when she's the one I needed the break from <laughs> literally sitting outside the door going, it's going to be okay, mommy. You're going to be <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> that's so sweet. So needless to say, I did not take a 20 minute bath. I got out. I'm like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> <We're good. laughs> I feel so much better now. <laughs> it's amazing what a couple of minutes alone does for you. Like, Yes. Sarah, you like will be amazed at how much a couple of minutes like of alone time means the world to you as a parent. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I, I can't I was even get imagine twenty of that about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you think you're going to get something and you don't, but yep. you know. But that also speaks because you, because you took the time for yourself, because you gave yourself timeouts, you were able to approach your kids. I'm talking about clinical plan at this point, so much more cool, calm and collected to where their response to now is all of these pro social behaviors that you want them to face. Whereas if you're not carving out that time for yourself, you're letting yourself get bogged down. You're letting yourself get burnt out. You're going to snap. And how are they going to react to you? They're going to snap. So that is so important. Yeah. I had a friend one time who told me, she goes, nobody knows how to do self-care better than you. It was the biggest compliment she ever gave me. I asked her what that meant. She goes, you know, when you need a massage, you go get one. When you need a facial, you go get one. When you need new clothes, you go get one. When you want new shoes, you go do it. Go buy a new pair of shoes. She goes, you take care of yourself. You model that behavior. So now that my kids are 20 and 23, they take care of themselves. I have not had to do anything for my kids once they turned 18. They were, you know, they're very, you know, independent. And I think that's important for parents is to model that behavior, knowing that your kids are going to just emulate whatever you do, as opposed to do what you tell them to do, which is huge. Yeah. But it's so hard too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I said, it's so hard to do that too. I mean, I, I stress this every day to my clients. Am I doing it for myself? Not every day. I mean, I worked through a pandemic. And then on top of it, I took on 5 million projects, all while being five months pregnant. So it's so much easier said than done. So it's totally human. And I want to hit that home. It's totally human to not be Fazia. I emulate her and I want to be her. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> but it, it is important. That, and it's so good to I try. Develop. Yeah. I try. And that's the thing. I, 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 and that's the thing that I kind of remind my kids about is like, you don't have to do things perfectly. You have to do them consistently, knowing that mm-hmm. you're not going to do it perfectly. But as long as you keep that consistency going, you're going to hit it most times, or at least more often than not. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that is truly the key to success. You're going to fail and you have to know that you're going to fail. I mean, as parents, I've had my parent of the year moments. <laughs> I, I <laughs> I'm not sure I'm willing to talk about them on live radio. <laughs> I've had my parent of the year moments. And I, I remember one time something happened and my daughter said to me, mom, you're very quiet. And I just looked at her. I didn't say a word. And she goes, usually by now you're rattling off at least 10 words. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> and so I learned to just stop talking when I'm, when I'm frustrated or angry. Yeah. But I think a lot of parents they react. And I think that's the important part about taking that time out when you're frustrated or have anxiety. Absolutely. I'm learning that a lot because 
I didn't realize how quickly kids are absorbing everything you're doing. I mean, it's essentially from the moment they're born. I mean, duh, but, you know, really like paying attention to how you're talking, the tone of your voice, how you're responding to, you know, like my husband in the room or even how I talk to my dog. Like I've noticed Maddox, like if Peyton is my dog is, um, you know, doing something he's not supposed to. And I talk to him in a more stern voice. Maddox looks at me like, why are you mad at him? Like he can tell that I'm using a different tone of my voice. It's not directed at him, but he's almost having empathy for my dog because he knows he's in trouble or, you know, you know, being, you know, told not to do something. And it's amazing how quick, yeah, it's so crazy how quickly that happens. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because you, you know, we, as parents don't always realize what our kids are picking up on um, and how they're going to internalize that and also express that. Uh, so it's a really good reminder that we do need to take those moments, even if it's hiding in the closet with the cookies. And I'm shameless of doing that, um, <laughs> you know, and having that moment because it is so easy to get caught up in the stress and anxiety of your day or the moment and take it out on them, which, you know, who no parent wants to be like that. And it happens and it's okay. And it's, I think, how you respond afterward if you do raise your voice at them um but you know i'm I'm glad you told me about that timeout because i'm going to (laughs) keep that in my toolbox and absolutely use it i think that's such good advice Mm -hmm. well i didn't want my parents or i didn't want my children to to grow up thinking there was they were always doing something wrong yeah and i thought you know a timeout is really about taking a break so i'll just be the one to take the timeout yeah. And it worked out really well for me. I love that. I don't well, know, if, you know how it would work for somebody else. Yeah. But I think I, I like it. It's not, you don't get a timeout because you've been bad. It's just, I'm taking a moment for myself to be with my thoughts or be with my feelings and just, you know, take a couple of deep breaths or distract myself from the situation and regroup so that I can approach the situation or just come back to what's going on with a different perspective. I think it's, you know, we use timeout as a discipline tool, but maybe it doesn't always have to be that way. It's more of a self-care tool too. And it's good modeling of how to handle your emotions because we can't control our emotions. Like our gut reaction to our kids and to other people is not anything in our control. It's what, it's exactly what you said. It's what do you, how do you handle it? What do you do next? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I had a parent of the moment or a parent of the year moment, as I, what I call them. We were driving. I love that. My, uh, <laughs> it's like, here's your award. Um, we're driving my older daughter up to college and my younger one, um, she was, I think, 14 at the time. And we were driving from Phoenix to Colorado to Fort Collins. And we were going up to Breckenridge to go on vacation the week before. And as we're driving, she would not stop talking. And if you've ever driven through Colorado at night, it is gut-wrenching to drive those, those curves. And she would not stop talking. And at one point, I remember I pulled the car over and I said, if you do not stop talking, the next town that has an airport in it, I'm putting you on a plane and I'm sending <laughs> you back home. <laughs> and you can spend the rest of the week with your dad or your grandmother. And I don't care which. <laughs> And she just looked at me. That kid did not speak the rest of the trip. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Like, <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, you've got to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Before yeah. we go off the edge of a cliff. So, yeah, it, it, you have those moments. But I think the key for me anyway was consistency. Uh, what do you recommend with uh, your clients, uh, Sarah? When, when your that, clients come to Consistency, consistency, consistency. It is the more you approach a situation the same way, the more easily your kid's going to integrate. This is how, this is what happens. So in moments of frustration or moments of getting in trouble, if you respond the same way, child always knows the outcome. If there's inconsistency, it's kind of, we're walking on eggshells. We're always testing boundaries, testing limits. I mean, I'm of the opinion there's, 
you know, as a philosophy minor in college. And so there was the idea of tabula rasa, that all children are born a blank slate. I don't agree with that. I think all, all kids are born a little naughty. They're born to push boundaries, to try, to see where your edges are, to see where your curves are, to see where they can just poke and prod. You throw any disability in there, you throw giftedness in there. Now they're little scientists and they're going to do everything in their power <laughs> to get a reaction out of you. So if you I respond like consistently with how you want them to respond in a situation, that's going to do you a world of good. So when you have those slip-ups, when you have those moments, giving yourself grace in those moments is huge. Of, yep, I'm a human. It's okay that I'm human. There's no such thing as perfect parent, even though Facebook and Instagram tell us there's perfect families. There's not. There's something going on under the surface of those families. Um, when you have those slip-ups, it is so much easier to rebound because that was not the norm. And so kids don't know how to respond in that situation. And they're a little caught off guard. But then the next time when you do respond by the norm, it's like, okay, we're back on track. Right, right. Do you agree with that, Mackenzie? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Maddox pushes the boundaries all the time. And there's always like, you know, I'm trying to like teach him to be gentle with like, we have, you know, vases or decorations or things that are breakable if he touches them roughly. And he knows, like he goes up and he's like looking at me and he like puts his hand out and he touches it gently and I don't say anything. And then he goes and hits it a little harder and he looks at me, you know, and if I say something, then he'll be gentle. And then if I don't, like he hits it harder, he's absolutely testing those boundaries a hundred percent. And it, and it's not just, you know, he's been doing this for quite some time. Like he knows when he's not doing something that he's supposed, not supposed to, but I think that's so fun and I'm really embracing it. Like I know there's this whole philosophy on not being, you know, not telling your kid no, which I know you have to say no to your kid. You can't always just say yes, but um, you know, I try to let him test his boundaries, you know, but in safe, as long as he's being safe and, you know, not hurting himself because I want him to kind of, I don't know. I, I'm a little rebel at heart, so I kind of want him to be a little rebel, but maybe it's going to bite me in the butt. Maybe Sarah wouldn't tell me otherwise. <laughs> but hey, I you mean, do you. He, yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's finding him, his confidence in, in his stuff. And, but I tell him no, you know, quite often during the day because I want to keep him safe. And, you know, I tell him that I'm like, you know, I'm telling you this because I want to keep you safe and that's my job. And, you know, let's go find something else to play with. And he cries and he fusses and he's, you know, call it a tantrum, if you will. I don't know. Um, but we find something else and he's okay. And I'm okay. And, you know, I think like, you know, Sarah said, it, it's doing what feels right to you. If your kid's safe and, um, you know, we're having a good time. I, I think we're, we're all navigating new waters together and, but it's fun. When I was uh, thinking about this particular series, I had been talking to a client and we'd been talking about parenting issues and, and I've had several clients over the last five, six years talk to me about how there's just no manual on raising kids. And, and, and I loved how uh, Sarah just said, you do you, because there's no manual. There's absolutely no manual. So you have to do what you think is right. Every kid is different. Every adult is different. And you somehow have to find that magic balance that works for you and your child. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I find that that's, you know, that's different for everybody. What, what you and Maddox do would probably not work for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about meeting kids where they're at and what works best for your families. I mean, I constantly have families ask me what school is best or what this is this or where do we go or what's our next best step? And it's like, I'm going to give you strategies, but you got to figure out what's best for your family. You got to figure out what you can stick with, what sits well with you, because that's going to be so much easier to adhere to. We still have to guide our children. We still have to teach them. We can't, like my kids said, we can't just say yes all the time. Like we still have to teach them right or wrong and good, bad and, you know, proper pro-social behavior versus anti-social behavior. But at the same time, it's what boundaries work for you? How do you set those boundaries? What does your child respond to? Maybe they don't fit into the box that you want them to fit in. So what box can we form around them to to build them to be their best selves? Absolutely. Um, Well, ladies, we have about three minutes before the end of our um, time together. And I just want to 
ask you, is there one bit of advice that you would give to parents, your, your parting bit of advice, and then maybe tell people how they can get a hold of you? My parting advice, well, I'll stick to like stress and anxiety. And we've been talking it about it, you know, sure. throughout this whole hour um, is really carving out that me time and making sure it's that you're your own, you're the priority in your own life. Yes, your kids are going to be a priority, but you have to take care of you first before you can take care of anybody else. Like Sarah was saying, the oxygen mask, we got to take care of ourselves first before we can even consider taking care of somebody else. And I mean, I'm still trying to learn this 14 months after having a baby is, is just finding that time to go do something for me. And that's not a chore. That's not running an errand for the family. It's something that really brings joy to my heart and my life. Um, and that's a hobby or, you know, going out to dinner with girlfriends or getting a glass of wine with a friend or whatever that may look like for the individual person is just really not forgetting about yourself along the way. I think it's so easy to put your, your everybody else ahead of yourself. Um, and it's sure. so important to remember you're, you're the priority first. Thank you, Mackenzie. Sarah, do you have any last parting words for today? Ditto. I really liked that one. Um, If I had to add anything to that, I'd say make sure you're always checking in with your gut too, of listening to what feels right, what doesn't feel right. We're inundated with advice. I can give my professional opinion all day long, but you got to check in with your gut. Parents' spidey sense is a real thing. Like we are built to do this or we are, we are made to, to be parents and to, and to do this. So there is a part of you that knows more than you think, you know, and so always doing a gut check, always checking in. How do I feel about the situation? What am I putting out into the world right now? How do I want my kids to react? How do I want to react to the situation? Um, And how do I find, find that balance in my life? Thank you so much. Well, ladies, I really want to thank you for, for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to having you both on in the future. And um, if anybody would like to get in touch with uh, Dr. Bald, um, they can go to Nest Psychological. NestPsychAZ.com. Nest, Nest, N-E-S-T-PsychAZ.com. Yep. And Mackenzie, do you want to give out your email or would you like to just use mine? Um, if you want to email me, it's Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I-E-L-Y-N-N-E-9 at gmail.com. Um, you can find me there. Otherwise, we'll All right. see y'all next month. Yeah. Thank you so much, ladies. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I'm at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And we'll be in touch next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.